Episode 31 The Native American Warrior Before I begin, I wish to state my standard disclaimer concerning language and expertise. The information I talk about today comes from books I have read or podcasts I have listened to. I have next to no knowledge on any of the Native American languages and I imagine my pronunciation of some of their words will be primitive at best. As always, I do not claim to be an expert on any of this, merely an interested amateur giving my opinion. Take from it what you will. The mindset and values of a typical indigenous warrior of North America is difficult to distill down. Prior to Europeans settling in the areas now recognised as the USA and Canada, some estimates put the nations that existed across this landscape at around 500. It would be naive and arrogant of me to assume all these people had exactly the same lifestyle and warrior mentality. Some tribes were found living in Arctic and sub-Arctic regions, others along the west or eastern coasts. Tribes lived on the Great Plains of the now central USA and in the warmer climes of the southwest. With such a vast array of climates, the lifestyle of these peoples varied widely to survive. To get an idea of the challenge ahead of us, I go to a passage written in Arlene Hirschfelder's book, Native Americans. The original inhabitants of North America were a diverse, heterogeneous group of people north of the Rio Grande, which forms the border between Texas and Mexico. At least 400 separate languages were spoken, and at least as many distinct societies flourished. These small, independent cultures, with an estimated total population of 7 to 10 million, traded with one another across wide networks. While there were a number of multicultural alliances, such as the Iroquois Confederacy, there were no empires like those of Rome. Leadership derived from ability rather than heredity, and land was owned collectively. Armed conflict occurred in a limited way between tribes, parts of tribes, or between individuals. Battles were fought for a variety of reasons, such as revenge, honour, or the acquisition of horses or other property. Once these objectives were achieved, the reason for fighting no longer existed. Hostilities usually lasted no longer than a few months, with minimal loss of life. Rarely did a conflict between enemy tribes completely wipe each other out. End quote. This sets the scene for our North American warrior quite nicely. This is the world he, and it was predominantly he, grew up in. The best I can do is to take examples from the different tribes and look at some similarities between them. Daniele Bellelli, the host of the History on Fire podcast, does an amazing job of capturing some of these tribes and their ways. I will be referring to some of the things he says to help me. I highly recommend listening to his episodes on the Lakota war leaders, Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse. What all indigenous tribes of North America had in common was a warrior culture. Although our highly technological society lets us kill from great distances, this capacity is often accompanied by anonymity. It could be very easy to talk of how primitive or savage some of these warrior cultures were without recognising that our own progress has brought about a world where genocide is actually possible. 
I am reminded of the lesson Matthew Kruger spoke of in episode 7. We must be careful when we look back through history using our modern society's lens. To understand any warrior culture, we need to remove our preconceived ideas of our modern world and consider what warriorship in a traditional culture really means. As mentioned in Arthur Verlui or Versilui's book, Native American Traditions, all traditional warrior cultures, including Native American, hold the basic idea that one's conduct in this life, of which war is the crucible and finest test, has ramifications beyond this life. Hence, one can say that the afterlife is determined by our conduct here on earth. So from this idea, we can see why there can be found countless examples of these warriors accomplishing remarkable feats of heroism, because these warriors saw this life as a testing ground that unfolds into the afterlife. Daniele Bellelli, who I mentioned earlier, mentioned bravery as one of the four cardinal values that the Native American warrior culture held dearly. In fact, I will use these four values as a grounding for this episode and talk about them each in turn. So thank you, Mr. Bellali. Let's look into some of the practices these people did to show bravery. One such tradition of the Plains people, such as the Lakota tribes, was counting coups, meaning that one would tap or strike one's enemy in battle with a coup stick. A coup stick was typically a willow rod with a feather on the end, but they also counted coup with wooden or elk horn riding quirts, which are essentially horse whips, or with weapons such as bows or spears. To get close enough to the enemy without getting killed or injured takes great courage and skill. To do this was considered the highest honour for the warriors an act considered more honourable than going in and killing and scalping them. This shows the fact that what matters in battle is not necessarily killing, but proving one's mettle in combat, a belief that has similarities in a number of tribes. The online encyclopedia of the Great Plains also has this to say. Humiliating the enemy also played a part in this fighting, as illustrated by an account from the Jesuit missionary father Pierre-Jean De Schmidt. In De Schmidt's 1848 visit to the Oglala Lakotas, the Oglala leader Redfish related to the priest how his men had just suffered a disgraceful defeat at the hands of the crows. The crows killed 10 Oglalas, then chased the others for a distance. The crows then were content merely to repetitively count coups on their enemies with clubs and sticks, thus demonstrating to the Oglalas that they were not worth the ammunition needed to kill them. End quote. Warriors signalled their military history and prowess by wearing feathers of different kinds, cut or painted in various ways. Such feathers might show the number of coups the warrior has acquired, if he had been wounded in battle, or if he had killed an enemy. DJ Vanis writes in his excellent book, The Warrior Within, about how traditional Native American warrior cultures developed this type of bravery in their young men. Courage was expected and valued, so it was developed purposefully and practiced often, methodically and in stages, with ceremonies like the vision quest and activities like the first hunt, the first raid, and then the first battle. End quote. Bolali 
gives an example of the development of this bravery in one of his podcast episodes. He talks about the great chief sitting bull who, by the time he was 10 years old, had killed his first bison by running him down and putting an arrow through its heart. Can you imagine any 10-year-old boy of today doing such a thing? Next in Bellali's values is fortitude. He describes this as the ability to persevere, to stay strong long after most people would give up. Fortitude is also about the patience to grant you the power of not getting frustrated in the face of difficulty and failure. The very first European explorers to arrive on Latin American soil observed practices of fasting, purification and vision seeking. The practices of self-purification or self-discipline are found among all Native American traditions. Native Americans use these practices as a way to not only develop resilience but also to commune with the spirit world. Let's take a look at a couple of these traditions. A sweat lodge is an enclosed space sometimes half sunk into the earth into which the medicine man brings heated rocks and adds water to them so that the lodge becomes hot and steamy. Those who go into the sweat lodge purify themselves by entering this primordial microcosm, microcosm sorry, composed of the primal elements of earth, fire, air and water. So what happens? Depending on the ceremony, the session can be accompanied by chanting and drumming or silence. The temperature in the lodge sits at around 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. This is the body's natural core temperature, so it would be uncomfortable to say the least. And you don't sit in the lodge for 20 or so minutes. Try several hours. Chanting, drumming and meditation empowers participants to endure the heat for much longer than they usually could, teaching them to overcome physical discomfort and frustration. It really is a test of endurance. These ceremonies can be a profound spiritual experience and the science of sweat lodges helps explain why. Research has shown that sustained heat releases the same endorphins as heavy physical activity, but without the burst of adrenaline that accompanies a challenging boxing session, for example. Even more extreme is the sun dance. This ceremony was held annually in summer and it is based on the concept of sacrifice. The ceremony begins at sunrise and anyone could dance. Dancers looked at the sun as they danced and short breaks without food and drink were allowed. In Lakota tribes, this went on for four days, usually while the self-sacrificers prepared themselves. Usually, as it was rare for a woman to participate, these men wanted something specific. Good hunting skills, better fighting skills, or healing powers. Each dancer had a mentor to help him through the ceremony, a holy man or someone who had already danced. Long lengths of rawhide were tied to the central pole. As the dancers stood around the arena, the holy men approached them and pierced each side of their chests with a length of bone. Next, the rawhide thongs were attached to the bone. The dance began as a slow shuffle. Some chose not to be tethered to the pole. Instead, they had the bones pierced through their backs, and then buffalo skulls were attached with thongs. The dancers dragged these heavy skulls around as they danced. The purpose of the dance was to remove the bone pieces from the dancer's body. Dancers at the pole pulled themselves backward, trying to tear their flesh and release themselves. Those with skulls attached to their backs danced over rocks and through bushes. They hoped to catch the skulls on something and rip them from their bodies. Dancers who had not released themselves close to sundown 
received help from their mentors. The mentors grabbed the dancers from behind and jerked them backward to tear the bones from the skin. If the dancer hadn't been released by sundown, the holy men removed the bones in reverse to the initial piercing. This may seem barbaric to our modern sensibilities, but hear me out. In his book, Arthur Villui goes on to say that there is a fundamental unity between the human world, the natural world, and the realm of spirits. This interconnection between all three realms and Native American traditions reminds us how inseparable these three cycles are, and if nature itself can sometimes seem cruel, as seen in Birds of Prey for instance, it is not surprising that the same uncompromising quality occasionally appears in tribal cultures. This made their warriors tough, resilient fighters who did not give up when they believed in a cause. You only have to read some history books on the Wild West to find examples of tribal warriors fighting against the US Army as the whites pushed into new territory. Bolali's third Native American value is generosity. In a close-knit tribal society, generosity was the glue that kept everybody together. It binded tribal members into a social web of exchange for mutual benefit. Bulali mentions that Sitting Bull was well known for his generosity, often sharing meat from his hunts with widows or orphans of the tribe. The final Native American cardinal value that Bulali mentions on his History of Fire podcast is wisdom. Wisdom is what allows a person to know exactly how and when to be brave, show fortitude and be generous. Without wisdom, the other three gifts become useless. DJ Vanis writes that as warriors, if we don't know what we are fighting for or why it matters to us, it's a quick recipe for confusion. It is easy to get distracted and to waste time and energy on the frivolous or let the wrong things drive us. Wisdom can provide clarity. Wisdom can let us balance action and risk. Too little action results in nothing being done but rushing headlong into potential disaster is also not good. So what lessons can we as modern day folk take away from the values of Native American warriors? Let's start with bravery. DJ Vanis challenges us to exercise and strengthen our courage when we do things that scare us, whether that is tackling a difficult conversation, taking that first step on a new career, or asking for help when we are struggling. As I've mentioned in earlier episodes, courage is simply feeling fear and taking action anyway. If we make this a daily practice, we start to realise that less things scare us, or should I say, those same triggers scare us less as we become familiar with them and work through them. DJ sums it up nicely when he says, the gritty no-quit bare-knuckled attitude that fuels a healthier warrior spirit is a willingness to face the enemy fear and kick its ass. End quote. What about fortitude? DJ likes to use the example of the wolverine. These animals are only the size of a medium dog, but have a thick hide, sharp claws, powerful jaws, and a unique tenacity. They will travel up to 15 miles a day, up cliffs and over ice to find food. They seem to fear nothing and are known to scare bears and wolf packs away. When times get hard, he suggests we adopt the spirit of a wolverine. 
dig in. Don't turn away or quit. Hang in there. DJ also writes that a warrior fights for something bigger than the self. A warrior is someone who develops their abilities and talent over a lifetime to become an asset to the tribe they serve. That may be your family, community, company, clients, or students. No man is an island. If you haven't yet, find your tribe. Find like-minded people and have conversations with them. Hang out with them. My tribe is my family, but so are my martial arts buddies. As I write this script, I am meeting up with a long-time Aikido friend this week. He has travelled all the way from the States. I am excited about seeing him face-to-face for the first time since 2007. That's 16 years ago. These people lift you up and help you move through your life, and you do the same for them. Being an asset to a tribe is Bilali's value of generosity. Live to serve others and reap the rewards that will come. Wisdom is an interesting concept to break down for the modern day person. It is said that wisdom comes with experience and age. Yet I meet some people that have been on this planet longer than I have, and I struggle to call them wise. How do we make the most of life's experiences to ensure we make the right choices at the right time? I guess one thing I can offer here is to take a lesson away from every hard conversation or tricky project you undergo. What can you learn from your mistakes? What would you improve if you had to do it again? Finally, I would like to compare the values discussed here today with the five warrior tenants I proposed way back in episode three of this podcast. These are courage, composure, determination, selflessness, and honor. Now, when we compare these to bravery, fortitude, generosity, and wisdom, we see some crossover. Bravery and courage are the same thing, and fortitude fits with determination. But what about generosity? Well, I would argue that being generous requires a person to think of others and therefore be selfless. So again, we see crossover. Finally, we look at the Native American value of wisdom, the ability to decide when to take action and what actions best fit each circumstance. Honour can be defined as knowing and doing what is morally right, which is not exactly the same thing as wisdom, but pretty damn close. Hopefully I am making it clear that the values of a warrior mindset do not change much across the expanse of time. I am sure a modern day warrior in the form of a first responder, police officer, soldier or any other person that will take action to protect others and keep them safe can see the value in what the Native American warriors held dear. Thanks for listening today. It takes quite a few hours of research, reading and writing to create these episodes and it's good to know someone out there is appreciating it. If you would like to show your support further, I now have a Patreon account. Go to patreon.com backslash Mushashugyo podcast. That's with a capital M. The idea is that I'd use the money to improve my audio equipment to make things easier on your ears. Otherwise, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Mushashugyo podcast. Now for the quote of the episode. I have used much of DJ Vanis' words today, so it makes sense to finish with him as well. These are the last words in his book, The Warrior Within. We can still own our power to serve well, fight for, and protect what we believe in.
heal ourselves and deliver when it matters. I'm still standing. I'm still in the fight. Stay strong on your warrior path. Thank you.